Good morning, Steve Dale's Pet World on WGN. You know, we celebrate veterans. We don't do that enough. And we see people oftentimes with a service dog walking down the street. And we think, well, why does that person need a service dog? Well, we may not know. That person is a veteran who has truly has post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome. Or maybe that person's a diabetic and it's a diabetic alert dog. Or maybe that person suffers from seizures and it is a seizure-detecting dog. There are lots and lots and lots of invisible disabilities. And we'll talk about that with an Iraqi war veteran uh, in a little bit. Phil Arkow is a co-founder of the National Link Coalition. Uh, hi, Phil. Hi, Steve. Good to talk to you, as it's, always. It is always good to talk to you. I was on the board of the American Humane Association when one day at one of our meetings, you showed up and you explained... And now you're on our steering committee for the National Link Coalition. I'm honored to be on the steering committee, actually. And I want to hear about what the National Link Coalition is in a moment. But when you came to the American Humane Association and you said, it's called the Link, what were you talking about? We're talking about the fact that at that point we were thinking that child abuse and animal abuse were linked very closely together. And in fact, American Humane at the time had two divisions for child protection and animal protection, modeling what many early humane societies had for the first 70 or 80 years of their existence. But as we got more into this, we also discovered that animal abuse is linked with domestic violence and more recently we see that it's linked with elder abuse as well. And so the concept of the link is that animal abuse is not a standalone, isolated issue that just affects animals. It's linked to three other forms of family violence. The animals are, in fact, members of the family for most uh, people. And so we think of animal abuse now as one of the four forms of family violence. And people who are in any of those four areas, whether it's animal protection, child protection, adult protection, or domestic violence, need to be trained to recognize some of the basic signs of the other forms of violence and make reports to the appropriate agencies involved with that because they are, in fact, all linked. We're dealing with the same perpetrators, we're dealing with the same victims, and we're dealing with the same root causes of power and control that cause most forms of family violence. Wow. Well, I say wow, because there's, you brought up all sorts of different topics in that answer. And uh, this is where I will start. Uh, Myself and others quickly realized that after the Evaldi, Texas shooting, and before that, Buffalo, New York, both of those shooters had, uh, not allegedly, I don't have to say allegedly, because they proudly demonstrated what they did to animals in social media. I even saw some of that video, and it's horrifying. I mean, that's clear abuse. And one of the issues is abuse can be defined differently in different places. It's always a felony when it is defined as abuse. But I'll tell you, this was clearly no one could see suffocating a cat, for example, in a plastic bag and not call it abuse. So this was clearly abuse. There is a link as well uh, between animal abuse, and it can be mass shooters or shooters and other kinds of violence other than what you describe. Exactly right. In fact, the FBI, uh, a number of years ago, working with Homeland Security and the National Counterterrorism Center, 
also identified animal abuse as a red flag warning sign for terrorism because it was showing up in the background of uh, several uh, terrorist suspects as well. And I could give you a lengthy list here of the mass shooters we know of who have animal cruelty in their backgrounds. It wasn't just these most two recent ones. Right. The list goes on and on. And the best estimates right now is that it's about 10% of the uh, mass shooters uh, have this history, and that's just the ones we know about. So one reason why I like an act, and I believe you feel the same way, that's sitting in Congress right now as we speak, is that it will call attention to all of this, at least when the hope is, when people see citizens or family members or friends or acquaintances of these people see animal abuse may be celebrated in social media, they'll speak up and go to law enforcement. Law enforcement can't enforce what they don't know about. On the other hand, law enforcement sometimes doesn't know what to do with this and setting up a federal branch, if you will, in the agency for Animal crimes seems to make sense to me, maybe to get people help early on to intercede, or maybe just put them in jail. Well, that's certainly one approach. Uh, the, the bill you're talking about is working its way through Congress, and we don't know where that's going to go. There are a couple of other initiatives in Congress, too. There's uh, H.R. 763, which would require uh, child abuse agencies to collect information about animal abuse in their work. It's called the uh, uh, Child and Animal Abuse Detection and Reporting Act, and uh, we'd love to see that pass. We're waiting for another bill called the AVERT Act to be introduced. That's animal violence exposes a real threat of future violence, which would make federal money available to study this whole issue and provide resources to uh, community agencies that are dealing with multiple forms of family violence, including animal abuse and abuse against human members of the family. And what I'm talking about, by the way, is called the Animal Cruelty Enforcement Act. And the hope is that all of these things, which are all these legislative efforts are a little bit different. Are you pleased, though, that they're there and and some of them presumably will pass bipartisan? There's no Democrat-Republican thing here, as far as I understand, or at least there shouldn't be, if we have a red flag and we know something is a red flag, shouldn't we finally pay attention? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're interested in any of these bills uh, that are out there, but reality is that most animal legislation, animal welfare legislation, is done on the state level rather than the federal level. The fact that we have several bills in Congress is really monumental. Yeah, uh, that's a huge step forward. But I was just doing an account right now, just looking at some updates. We've had at least 152 bills introduced in the state legislatures uh, this session affecting the link, 15 of which have been uh, enacted already. And, uh, I mean, that's just extremely encouraging. And it touches on everything from animal sexual abuse to domestic violence to child abuse, animal abuse is linked with other crimes to uh, animal hoarding issues. And... Uh, you know, veterinary reporting of suspected animal abuse. So it's, uh, you know, it's wide-ranging and very encouraging, very dynamic. So when we come back from the break, I want to talk about sort of the practical end of all this. If you suspect that someone you know or something you've seen in social media is abusive to animals, what do you do about it? And how can you ensure, if there is a way you can, that it's not kind of lost in the cracks here? 
Uh, we've got the expert on the phone, Phil Arco of the National Link Coalition. We'll be right back. Phil Arco is co-founder of the National Link Coalition. Uh, we've been talking about the link between violence to animals, animal abuse, and then violence to humans. There's no question that link exists. Your initial research has been replicated over and over and over and over again around the world in many ways. The result is that you speak around the world about this topic and related topics, Phil. And you've spoken for the Human-Animal Bond Association, which I am a member of, and I'm grateful that you are still out there doing this and advocating. If someone sees something, I don't know. I'd like to think there's more awareness today. I'm not so sure of that, really. Is there anything that we really can do? And if we contact law enforcement, well, what do they do? If we contact a child protection agency in a state, what do they do? They're overworked and not necessarily paying attention. If a veterinarian sees this, who do they contact and does it make a difference? That's a lot of questions there all in one. I'll try to answer them quickly. First of all, I can tell you from many, many years of experience in animal shelters, most people do not understand how the criminal justice system works. And the fact is, animal cruelty is a crime, like a robbery or a burglary or any other crime. In order for a law enforcement agency, whether it's a police or sheriff's office or an animal control agency or humane uh, SPCA law enforcement agency, they need specifics. You can't say the guy next door is always beating his dog. They need a witness who's willing to step forward and say, at this date, at this time, I saw this specific thing happen. I happen to have photographs of it or whatever evidence is necessary, and they have to have specifics. Most people don't know who to call because unlike the child or elder abuse uh, protective system, there is no national system for this. So if you go to our website, nationallinkcoalition.org, you will see our National Directory of Abuse Investigating Agencies. We have 50 pages on the website. You can scroll through that and see who in your county or your city, we have 6,500 different phone numbers listed there, of who to call to report either suspected child abuse, elder abuse, domestic violence, or animal abuse. Well, Phil, I thank you for everything that you do. I'm proud to be a part of, a small part, of the National Link Coalition, and we will certainly have you on again. Thank you so very much. Thanks, Steve. Kevin Patrick is an Iraq War veteran. So, first of all, thank you very much for your service, Kevin. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, too. And I'm having you because you have a service dog. And this is an example. There you are walking down the street. You have your dog with you. And it's what what I've called for years an invisible disability. And it's not only about post-traumatic stress disorder syndrome, which is yours, And I'm not even sure you'll have to tell me if you feel disability is quite the right word. Uh, But it could also be a whole, you know, it could be a a seizure-detecting dog, a diabetic-detecting dog. It can be, there are dogs that help people with heart issues even, and the list goes on and on and on. So there are probably more invisible disabilities where these dogs are needed. Do you still find, uh, or do you find, uh, when you are looking for an Uber ride or Lyft ride, there's an issue. When you walk into a restaurant, that there's an issue, even going on an airplane. Well, I think the uh, the most common uh, 
issue that I run into is the uh, the lack of uh, knowledge there that people have of the purpose of service dogs. Uh, quite often, uh, when I do go into a restaurant or something, uh, people always ask, well, what's your disability? Um, and you kind of touched base on it a little bit. Sometimes disabilities aren't always uh, visible. Uh, a lot of times also, uh, I've got a very cute dog. She's a, a little golden retriever puppy. A lot of people <laughs> want to come up and, and pet her. Sure. And I don't blame her. I'm a dog person myself. But... Um, uh, they get a lot of attention, so people want to uh, come up and pet the dog, uh, but uh, they don't realize that she's in training uh, and or uh, working on the job. Yeah, so I want to talk about both of those topics. It's actually illegal. It's against the law for restaurateurs or uh, the, the, the driver behind the Uber or taxi cab or Lyft or even the airlines to ask what that disability is. Uh, well, how do you answer that? So uh, this has come up uh, regularly when I've been out uh, with Willow. Willow's my service dog. Um, and uh, the easiest thing to do is just to uh, educate them, just let them know that, yes, um, you know, a service dog um, is um, – is trained to help you with a disability or uh, overcome something of that nature. And um, one of the things that you can tell people is that, yes, they are a medical alert dog. They alert me to when uh, I am either going to go into a crisis or have an issue. And um, this is uh, what I tell people. I said, you know, sometimes you don't see a, a physical disability. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, and this is what we train Willow for, is so that way um, when uh, I enter into one of these states or or have an issue, she's trained to detect that and to kind of uh, break up my train of thought and get me back on track. How did Willow learn all this? Lots of training uh, from from the very beginning of, of, of getting Willow. Um, she is... Uh, almost quite literally attached to my hip. Um, she is with me everywhere I go. And uh, we train uh, with uh, vet service dogs, uh, NFT, uh, every week, uh, sometimes uh, two days a week. Uh, but outside of that, um, she's with me all the time, and we're constantly doing training. Well, one of the questions is, and we're running out of time here, but where do people get a service dog? There are lots of uh, organizations out there, especially uh, for veterans or former law enforcement that might be struggling with uh, PTSD or uh, a disability in one way or another. Um, I got my service dog from Vet Service Dogs Not-For-Profit by uh, just looking at their website and looking at where they're located. They're located right out of Lyons, Illinois, so Mm -hmm. it's pretty close to where I live in my hometown of Villa Park. And uh, there are many other organizations out there. So if somebody is looking to get a service dog, I would just recommend start with a, a simple search on Google and find out uh, which one's next to you or is closest to you um, and uh, reach out. Um, a lot of people, uh, especially uh, in law enforcement or ex-military, um, don't always seek out the help that they need and uh I can speak, for example, that uh, having a service dog has been a tremendous help in my life. And uh, if 
they are borderline uh, wondering whether or not this would be a good option for them, I highly recommend just doing a simple Google search. Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin, and the best of luck to you. And once again, thank you for your service. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Have a good morning. Now, I do want to add one more thing. That uh, It's called Diamonds in the Rough. It's the world's largest dog wedding. It's October 2nd. It'll be at Northwestern Medicine Field. And that is in Geneva, Illinois, where the Kane County Cougars play their baseball games typically. No baseball game that way. That day, just a lot of dogs and their newfound partners to break a Guinness Book of World Records record. They'll smash it. I'm confident of that. But what I'm excited about is they're raising money for several not-for-profits, and some of whom do exactly what we're talking about here. They raise money uh, for veterans uh, and others so people can have uh, service dogs. Uh, Unfortunately, the U.S. government is not funding this So it's all privately funded, and this event, Diamonds in the Rough, the world's largest wedding, is helping out, which is terrific. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you, Steve. Have a good day. For further information, largestdogwedding.com, and it's a crazy thing, right? I mean, dogs getting married, but I will tell you a couple things. First of all, every time there's something going on, whether it be just a restaurant that allows dogs outside, to a event that is a typically fundraiser event, and this is one of those that helps animal charities. If the dogs are going to have a good time and the people are having a good time, it can support the human-animal bond. I mean, we need, we want more places to go with our dogs, fun places to go. So check it out, October 2nd at in Geneva at Northwestern Medicine Field. It's typically where the Kane County Cougars play baseball. They're not playing baseball then. However, uh, there'll be a lot of dogs on the field getting married. There'll be an officiant there officially doing this. They will, I believe, break the Guinness Book of World's Records. I'll be out there as the MC for this event. But most of all, it's about raising money. And that's why we did the last interview that we did. Uh, Vet Services NFT. Canines for Warriors is a big one. They're one of the largest in the country. Uh, What these organizations do, they provide service dogs for veterans. Veterans who are heroes, who come back after serving our nation, and they may say, you know, listen, there are people that want nothing to do with having a service dog. They may be diagnosed with PTSD, and they may be happy taking the drugs or whatever, whatever, whatever. But most of them say, service dog is an option. Where do I get one? Well, they're not easy to get because these organizations, it costs money to raise and train the service dogs, right? The government says we want nothing to do with that at first. The U.S. government actually said these dogs don't do any good. But now there's so much data out there to demonstrate. One example of that is the suicide rate with veterans that come back with PTSD and traumatic brain disorders is 10 times what it is in the general public. Yet the general public suicide rate, sadly, is higher than it's ever been. Can you imagine 10 times? Oh, but they get a dog, and now it drops to what the general public's is. Uh, They are more likely to work. They are more likely to take fewer drugs or lower doses of the drugs they take. On and on and on. And this benefits not only those individuals, it benefits society. I mean, if people are at work, we're not paying for their unemployment, right? I mean, this is a win, 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 win for everybody, including the dogs themselves, who obviously have a wonderful home. I mean, this is... 
This is such a good thing. And for Canines for Warriors, they take dogs from shelters, by the way. So these dogs otherwise could perish in shelters. We'll talk with someone in an upcoming show about Canines for Warriors. We've had those discussions about that great organization uh, before, and we will again. LargestDogWedding.com for more information. That event is October 2nd, and I will see you next week, bright and early, right here on WGN.